You're listening to a DM podcast. Let's go on yeah, a trip. Let's go on a trip. Yeah, baby. It's not too bad. What was the question again? <laughs> okay, let's go. I'm Angela Caterns. I'm Ian Rogerson. And welcome to Suddenly Senior. This is a podcast series for those of us who've reached a certain age in life. That's right. You can join if you're not our age, but it'll be a lot more fun if you are. <laughs> so strap yourselves in, check your blood pressure, light your spliff, pour yourself a small bevy, and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> As we grow older, we find ourselves grieving the loss of many things, friends and family members, sometimes our homes and neighbourhood, as well as our bodies and maybe even our minds. Today's guest says we also grieve the loss of our own sense of self. Carol Lefebvre is a visiting research fellow in creative writing at the University of Adelaide and she's our guest today. Hello and welcome, Carol. Hello. So you wrote a fantastic article in the uh, Conversationalist. Conversation. Yeah, it, I think it was sparked by, uh, well, it's one of a series of essays that I've been writing since considering my own ageing. They're all on the topic of ageing. Mm. I think sometime before I turned 70, I started to think, how am I going to deal with these years? What am I, what am I you know, what are my thoughts? What, what am I going to do going forward? and started looking to the whole question of age and, and how we feel about it as a society mm. and and discovered that we, we, we're great age denialists and I was no exception, I think. What do you mean by that, age denialists? Well, well we, don't, we don't want to talk about it. It's, we're inculcated with it from the earliest times that, you know, it's um, there's something bad about ageing. All of the language around it, you know, um, obfuscating sort of language where we talk about women at a certain age um it, it's bad manners to ask a lady her age all those sorts of things mm. um so we, we're growing up learning that we you know um, age is not a good thing and we don't really want to talk about it mm. yeah i recognized that in myself i realized that if a conversation came around towards my age um i would sometimes steer the conversation away i just didn't want to talk mm. about it the best thing to do is just get it out in the open and once you've said it what can anybody say you know so for a while i was going around having conversations with people that would begin with you know hello i'm carol and i'm 70. (laughs) and just (laughs) let's get it right out there yeah and and what sort of a reaction would you get from uh, from that honesty (laughs) a bit of surprise (laughs) to be fair and i think the whole question of age i listened to a couple of your earlier podcasts and I heard Ian saying, you know, nobody likes old people, nobody wants to talk to them and so on. And honestly, I think about, I think this is so true. I mean, all the reading that I've done around the topic, a lot of um, this French doctor wrote a book called Learning to Grow Old. And he said in there, you know, it's a profound underlying problem that the old are just not loved and too many people treat them with indifference and, and seek no contact with them. Yeah. And And why is this? And I feel it's because taps into this underlying darkness which you know underlies all our lives are we allowed to get dark on this podcast oh, God, yes <laughs> um so, so i started looking into this what is it about the denial and i came up with a book by a cultural anthropologist called ernest becker he published it in 1973 it's called the denial of death and it's pretty heavy reading but he he makes the point in there that this is there are about five fears that drive human beings and the first is is the fear of death fear of extinction and the others are fear of mutilation fear of loss of autonomy 
uh, fear of separation and ego death is the last one. And when I thought about these, I thought, you know what? The older you get, the more these things become, you know, not an abstract possibility, but mm. something that's that's actually real that could happen. And I was just filled with amazement and humility, really, about how old people are bearing this burden of these fears and how mostly they're going through life with a great deal of grace, you know, mm. not 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 talking about these things, but just bearing up under the weight of it. Mm. And so I think the the not talking about aging feeds into this fear, you know, oh, we don't mm. want to go there, we don't want to look at it, we don't want to talk about it, we're getting closer to it ourselves. Mm. Carol, you, you write about the distance between the young self and the old self, which obviously, you know, increases uh, mm. the older that we become. Can you talk a little bit about that? And you, and you say it's one of the factors in, in, in um, late life grieving. Yes, well, you know, I had that experience where I opened a letter that I'd written before I turned 50 and I was now 70. And I just found within that letter a completely different version of myself, a much more um, vibrant, energetic person who was doing a lot of things. And, and I, I actually experienced a moment of full-on grief at realising that this person is no longer really available to me. I see flashes of her from time to time, um, but... I'm not that person. And and so, you know, to sit down and think about this and realise that as we go through life, we become lots of different versions of ourselves. Yeah. And that, that was just one version, you know. I have to make a new version now. That's right. There's an underlying lack of preparedness, isn't there, for age, that really people should be start I believe people should be starting to get ready for it earlier we we avoid 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 but really if there was a little bit of earlier preparation we'd be ready for it yeah absolutely and I and I think this is one of the things and that we do such a disservice to younger people in not talking about aging with them or even just talking about it putting it out there because then they've got no role models they've got nothing to look at to think or to consider that that might be a version of old age that they could bear to live or that they would want to live you know there's it's it's like our, our avoidance of talking about death mm. you know once you've got some information things become a lot less scary mm. so even just lately i mean i've this essay in the conversation is one of a whole series of essays I've been working on. And the latest one I've been working on is um, about voluntary assisted dying. And I had a friend who took that route a few months ago, and it was the first time I'd come up hard against it. And I was I was horrified. I thought, this is not something I could ever do. It was it terri it terrified me. I had no no information about it, but still, it was just a big black thing that just terrified me. And during the course of writing the essay and talking to people, um, speaking to the pharmacist here in South Australia, who's responsible for dispensing all the medicines, and getting an absolutely crystal clear idea of the process and how it unfolds and how you can either use it or not use it. I actually found myself saying to my husband, you know what, I now feel that if I had to make this choice, I think I could do it. Wow. It's, take, it's taken the fear out of it for me. I also spoke to a, a, a lady who had assisted a friend as the contact person um, in, in an assisted dying situation. And 
she'd started out exactly the same way. I can't be present. I can't. I can't mm. do this. I can't handle it at all. And uh, she said that by the end, she agreed with me that now she had experienced it. She knew um, she could do it that way too, if and when she had to. Of course, you're talking about people that are between a rock and a hard place. Yes, they're, they're just... very, very, very sick, aren't they? Indeed. Yeah. I imagine that the you know the law varies from state to state around Australia, but from what I understand, you have to have a terminal illness. Then you, there's no chance of you getting any better. Yeah. Do you think that 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 criteria is too, um, you know, stringent? Do you think it should be relaxed more? And if you've had enough, you you should be able to take your own life legally? No, I, I think the way that they've set it up is is very good, um, and uh, and I think that they. From what I can see, they administer it very, very well. I know that the the woman I spoke to in Victoria said that the people, because they have to deliver the medication in person, um, the pharmacist has to go out to the person's home. And she said that the people that came were just lovely. You know, they yeah. couldn't have been better. Couldn't have been better people. And um, the whole process worked very well. So we have got onto a dark topic here, haven't we? we? Have. Yeah, but I, I think that's not a bad thing. I, I really mm. do. I, I've seen an, a, a number of friends pass away over the last few years <laughs> and their passing and the situation they were in just before that passing was really quite awful. And it wasn't just their illness, it was their circumstances and the lack of control they had on their destiny and where they were going to end up. And I think this is actually yeah. a really important topic and, and, and one that, I, as you say, the more we get it out and talk about it, the better we are about it. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the things that came through um, when I asked the pharmacist how this affected her, you know, day after day, meeting people who were going to end their life and handing them the means to do it. And she said, honestly, um, you you feel you sense the relief mm. that they feel when you offer them this choice um, and, and you feel as though you are actually helping people and they don't have to use it. They can just put it in the cupboard yes. and they know that it's there if things get to a stage where they can no longer bear it. So it's been a very interesting journey writing these writing these essays. And one of the things I think particularly that um, I'm keen on is seeing the language around ageing change. And I know that you interviewed uh, was Karen Curtis, the gerontologist, yeah. on, one, on a previous podcast, and she was talking about what we, the language that we use to talk about older people. And I'll say right now that I'm, I'm an old woman I'm not a very old woman yet, but I am an old woman, and I and I stick to that. I'm not going to be putting up with any of this older person or elder or no, all this ma age or senior language. Well, seeing it, I'm sorry, it's the name of your podcast. Well, we, we grabbed it purely because we, we, we both found ourselves in a situation where we go, oh, we've been labelled that. Yeah. What does that it, mean? It's instantly recognisable by most people. I think it's a good name for the podcast. But I think, you know, it, the National Ageing Research Institute has come up with this age-positive language guide in which they've actually said senior is not a good word. Oh, is that right? Yes, senior is one of the ones that they, they said wasn't good. Oh, and I think language is so important, you know. If you can get control of the language, then you can begin to influence the culture. And you've only got to look at the way that people who are interested in trans rights have promoted fiercely the use of pronouns. That's true, yes. So that 
even people who aren't necessarily affected by that rights movement are now putting their pronouns under their Instagram profiles yes. or at the end uh, of their emails, emails and things. That's right. But Carol, so I mean, you think we should destigmatize the word old and reclaim it. How do you do that? I think it's down to one person at a time, quite honestly. I mean, I'm an old woman in the way that I was once a young woman. Nobody said anything about me being an, a young woman. But when, if I say I'm an old woman, it's almost an there's an insult inherent in that, yeah, because the the word old has become yes. so yeah. so stigmatized. And I honestly think we need to reclaim it and just take it back and be fierce in using it. Um, and I think I'm talking about this now. I'm thinking I might go to my Instagram profile after this podcast and put up the top there, you know, in brackets where it would be sh- um, she or her. I'm going to put. Old. Oh, oh, that's great. <laughs> and, and maybe even getting older. <laughs> getting old think- and getting older. Carol, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, on radio they call old music classic. Maybe we need to be classic Australians. Exactly. We are classic Australians, yes. a little bit about this idea of yours that we grieve the loss of our own sense of self as we become old and you liken this grief to a type of homesickness can you just elaborate on that a little bit please well it it is this turning towards the past um, and looking back at all the selves that we've been and feeling a sense of grief for the loss of that too much of a turning towards the past I think is not a good thing. I think if old age is for anything, it's for a kind of reflective time uh, in which to manage all these selves that we've been and arrive at, you know, a, a new self that we can be now and even maybe a newer one going forward to try to balance the past, the present and the future in our lives. And, you know, I forget to do this too. I because the past is a huge resource for a writer, so I'm always delving into yeah. it to find to find right. things. Um, but if I spend too much time there, I can get I can get a bit down. Yeah. You know, I had to have some author photographs <laughs> taken recently, and I I I I just had this moment of grief again. I thought, oh, what a pity! I didn't reach this stage in my writing a long time ago. I didn't start earlier, and then the photographs would have been better. You know, it would have been easier to get a good picture. There's <laughs> nothing a little bit of touching up can't fix, though, Carol. I, you know, I'm just thinking there. There's an old saying which is, "There's a time in your life we actually look back on the the twisted road of your life." And you accept it. And I, I, I think acceptance is a, a, a very big deal, right or wrong. Uh, you know, instead of getting maudlin a, a little bit sort of, you know, down about the fact that your life has changed so much, there's an acceptance to it and it's built you into this new thing. Uh, even though we feel old, we're actually brand new as an old person. We are. And I think what I don't know uh, what the figures are, but aren't our cells renewed every so many years yeah. and things so you're not actually physically the same person that that you once were I, I spoke to a lady yesterday in her 80s and I was talking to her about the move from a home to a retirement village and mm. you know what what that looked like and she'd been very affected by it but she said to me the older you get the more time you have for regret mm. oh and I sad. think that's <laughs> It is sad, and I think somehow or another, you know, we've got to um, defy that 
in a way. Yes. You know, was it Henry Ford said something like, you know, anyone who stops learning is old and um, it doesn't matter whether you're 20 or 80, anyone who keeps learning stays young and somehow or another you've got to find a reason to get out of bed in the morning and to be doing something new. Yes. Well, and so I was going to ask you, Carol, what do you, do you look forward to uh, as you uh, age? Well, what gets me out of bed in the morning, apart from family, is my writing. I started late, and so I feel as though I've got so much more of it to do, and I don't want to leave any unfinished projects hanging about. So, you know, there's always something that I'm writing, always something that I'm looking forward to researching and doing. I also have a garden that's quite lovely, Mm -hmm. and I look forward to the various seasons passing through it. And I think at this age, it's really good to get your hands in the dirt, you know, yeah. and um, it's well known that um, that, you know, releases serotonin and so on. So if you possibly can, even if it's just a garden of pots that you're putting a few herbs in or something, I I really believe it's it's refreshing it's for the whole person. It is absolutely. Yeah. It is nurturing. Yeah. I've got to say the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is I need to have a wee. <laughs> I've already done that at least once during the night. <laughs> Have you yourself been uh, subjected to ageism, Carol? I've had a few incidents that have that have upset me deeply. Can you tell us one or two of them? Yeah, one of them. Um, I mean, they're, they're quite little, aren't they? But by yeah. goodness, they're yeah. sharp. Um, when I, um, came, I've been living overseas for quite a long time and I came back here in 2005 and I started to study to do a master's at Adelaide University and I was paying the household bills at that time by freelancing for um, SA Life magazine which is a nice glossy magazine here in South Australia and they sent me to a country race meeting to take photographs and write a story and they it was a whole day event I was 54 um, at this stage and so I went up to Balaclava or wherever it was and I was there the whole hot long dusty day taking notes taking photographs and they'd said to me especially get people leaving at the end of the day and so on so while I was waiting for the bus that would take me back to Adelaide I saw these young blokes getting into a stretch limo Mm. they were all suited up and but they'd been drinking most of the day I should think they got into the limo so I wandered over and I said would you like to have your photograph taken for the social pages this when I named the magazine and and they said, yeah, sure. So they were leaning back in there and I, I took a nice photograph of them. I thanked them and I was just turning away. And as I walked away, I was just checking the photograph on the back of my digital camera to make sure it was in focus and all okay. And I heard one of them say to the other, what are they, what is that magazine doing? They're getting old grannies to do this work. Oh, and ouch. I just, I was just, it took my breath away. And I wanted to turn around. I, I should have turned around and said to them, have you got a grandmother? You know, and how would you feel if somebody spoke about her like this? You're in your 50s at this point. I, I couldn't because my, my eyes just filled with tears. Oh. It was just such a shock and um, so confronting, you know. Mm. And I just, I walked away, but I deleted their photograph. I thought, you boy, oh, you're not going on you. Good on you, Carol. <laughs> Quite right. Um, and so in, in your article, uh, Carol, you recommend that we think of ageing as a type of homecoming. Can you explain what you mean by that? How, how do we go about that? Ah, uh, it's, 
it's tricky, isn't it? It just feels like it should be a gradual moving into the person that you've been becoming through mm. through all of this time that you've lived, all of the things that you've done, the things that you've learned, and you've been moving towards a certain sensibility. And, I mean, putting aside the physical challenges, because the physical challenges have to be dealt with. They come along and, and somehow you, you deal with them, and, and there are many. Um, but the mental, I think the mental state is the really important thing to be working with here, the emotional state, and, and, and finding some sense of home and quietness within yourself. Yeah, coming in for a landing, a, a state of grace, so to speak. A state of grace. I'm thinking of the time or the period of time between becoming old. Say, if uh, for me, I put that at 70, but other people might put it somewhere else. I, I felt when I turned 70, yes, I'm old. But I'm not extremely old. At that stage, my mother was 94. Mm -hmm. So I felt that she was in extreme old age, but yeah. I was only in old age. Early and that period age. between, yeah, the period between the two, was a period of where there was a chance for a sort of a, a peaceful place by the wayside mm. where you could just sit. And one of my favourite books about ageing was written by Vita Sackville-West. It's called All Passion Spent. And the heroine of that, Lady Slane, she has spent her whole life being carted around by her husband who took her to India and she did everything she was supposed to do she was the hostess and she had these all these children and, and when she comes back to england and her husband dies to her children's horror she sells the family home in london and moves to a, um, a house in hampstead that she'd long seen long ago and always had her eye on and they were saying you can't do that it's too much for you got a, it's got a garden worst it's too far from the rest of it. she did it anyway and she said that for the first time in her life, she could lean back against death and contemplate her life. Wow. So, she, yeah, she's got some clear air there and a bit of space. Sounds like she made the right decision. Listen, Carol, it's been, it's been fascinating talking with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks, Carol. All the best. Bye-bye now. Bye now. Please like and also subscribe. Thank you for listening. I'm Angela Caterns. I'm Ian Rogerson. Leave a comment, as long as it's nice. <laughs> if it's not, that's right. Fuck off. Yes. See you next time, Ange. Bye. And I want wine with my meds. <laughs> 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 <laughs>